Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Podcast Studio, and we are super excited to be discussing medical freedom today, again, with a wonderful nurse, Angela Shirk. She's going to be talking a little bit about her history as a nurse for many, many decades, actually, and um, where she's been, why there's been a lot of changes over the last three or four years in her career and where she's going. So Angela, welcome to our show. Hi. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for being on. So tell us a little bit about your background as a nurse and then why ultimately you're talking in front of us because of medical freedom. Well, like I had said before, told you before, I'm not a public speaker by any means. So forgive me if I'm <laughs> if I'm slipping up. I'm a little bit on edge or a little nervous right now. So, but I'll try to do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like you said, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for thirty. Well, I've been in healthcare for thirty years, and I've been a nurse for twenty twenty one of those years now. <laughs> Um, I was a nurse. I started. I was a nursing assistant in 1993 and became a nurse in 2003. Um, and for all of those years, everything seemed to be fine with my, with my career. Everything was going as, as planned. Um, I worked everything from hospice to ICU, um, anything you can think of in nursing, I've probably done it. Um, until the last three years, until three years ago, um, for 30 years, I've been, you know, my doctors would give me orders to tell the pay, give recommendations for me to give to the patient. And for 30 years, it's always been the same. We've, we've always given them the opportunity to accept or decline any recommendations, and we've never given them the boot or demeaned them or made them feel less than just because of what they had chose for their, as their personal health care choices. Um, and you can imagine my dismay <laughs> over the last three years when it just didn't happen that way, right? So, um, to give you, once that started, I still worked as a nurse, as a home health care manager for about a year, um, going into 2021. Yes, 2021. And at that point, you know, um, Biden had taken over. Um, the vaccine was being pushed at that point. In December 2020, I had already had COVID. So knowing that I already had the antibodies um, and knowing that this was a novel vaccine, there was no possible way that I was going to take something that was new to not only pharmaceutical industry, but new to humanity, period. You know, they knew nothing about it. Um, They barely knew anything about a virus. So what they were going to push on us, um, I just wasn't having it. But And that's fine for me, you know, but my patients, if they want, you know, if they wanted to do something more power to them, as long as they had true informed consent, I was, you know, I'm, I'm completely fine with whatever they want to do. Um, you want to take it. Millions of other people want to take it. You do you, but I knew after 30 years in healthcare, what my body can handle and what I was willing to accept. Um, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a biology, uh, pathophysiologist or a biologist by any means, you know, so, or a virologist or every other ologist you can, you, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you can think of, but 
I know after 30 years, I know a little bit about a little bit, you know, so there just was not any way. And the simple fact of the matter is when it comes to medical freedom, you know, we've seemed like we always had it. We always had the right to accept or decline. Um, now, of course, we had our childhood vaccines and that seemed to be, I don't want to use the word forced. It wasn't forced on us, but come to find out, we could have declined those <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, but so after, after uh, I worked for a year in home health as a case manager and things were going on here in Ohio, and Ohio is supposed to be a freedom state, right? Well, it didn't actually turn out that way, not the way I had I had hoped. And my husband and I, my husband had had COVID at the same time I had COVID at the end of 2020. And he was working um, as a contractor for Honda. And he had, to, he was a wastewater management operator there. So he had to climb stairs very steep and high and he was having trouble breathing. And so we decided at that point, and they were still making him wear a mask there. You know, he worked it on his own in his own lab <laughs> with nobody around, but they still wanted him to wear a mask, climb the stairs. And we were just like, we're so done with this. So we made a decision at that point that, um, and, and at that point, Ohio was not a multi-state licensure state. Okay. So as far as nursing was concerned. And so I did, I decided I was going to go work in the free state for DeSantis. So I got licensed in Florida and we packed up our RV and we headed down there and I did a contract in Pensacola. Um, and after my contract was completed, I did a 13 week contract. And after the contract was completed, I was in between contracts when the whole business of um, OSHA and whether or not healthcare, healthcare um, individuals should be mandated. And so that went to SCOTUS and I was in between um, contracts when it went to SCOTUS. Well, SCOTUS, at first, first thing they did, they ruled that oh no, OSHA can't. OSHA has no control over healthcare. They can't man. They can't mandate anything like that. So um, businesses with a hundred or more employees cannot be mandated. But, and I thought for sure because they ruled that way, they were going to rule in our favor as well. They did not. They did not rule in favor of healthcare workers. They did not rule in favor of military. They just decided, oh well, you because you are governed by the federal government and receiving, if you work for anybody receiving Medicare, which is pretty much everybody in healthcare, yeah, right. employer in healthcare um, because I, I'm actually a, a certified quality, Oasis quality specialist as well and an MDS nurse. So what that means is that I do head to toe assessments and do health and history. I collect all of that information and I submit it to CMS for reimbursement. Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So there I was, and we were, I was stuck in between contracts. So it wasn't that I was fired from a position for refusing anything. And it wasn't that um, it was that I couldn't get hired, you know, unless I accepted an exemption, which I, I signed the declination when I did my first contract in Florida. But I, I mean, at that point, when the, when SCOTUS ruled in favor of the federal government, that takes precedent over whatever bill DeSantis, you know, passed. So I had to make a decision at that point. And that right then, what it just so happened, I, I had been watching what was going on in Canada. 
with the Freedom Convoy and how they were being mandated. And when I seen what what had happened toward the end of that convoy, where they brought in their own government and government outside their their country to beat their own citizens down just for speaking out, um, I said that that's it. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And then I heard about the people's convoy that was going from California to DC. And, and you'll have to excuse me if I get emotional. Um, my husband and I decided at that point that if we were going to take a stand, we were going to take a stand right then. Good for you. Um, and it just so happened, I had nothing against my my uh, co-workers or, you know, my my friends that my nursing friends that had to take the vaccine in order to keep their jobs because they had young children. It just so happened that my children were grown and um, my husband and I had a little bit of a nest egg that we knew we'd be able to survive for at least two years. Um, and so we knew that. I just felt at that point that God had called me and put me in that position to stand up. So we headed back to Ohio. We got packed up. And when, and as soon as that happened, the convoy met and got to Ohio. We joined up with them um, just east of Columbus, Ohio. And we headed to Hagerstown with them. I stayed there for 30 days with them. I've never in my life felt so much connection with people. Um, you know, over, over, not even over the last three years, probably over the last decade, we have felt that we have been in alone. Nobody's listening to us um, as far as our conservative values and those kind of things, you know, but I never felt more like I had the biggest family and thousands of people. Um, and anyway, I stayed there for 30 days and I worked in the med tent, med trailer. And my, po- my sole purpose for being there is Jim Jordan is my representative here on Ohio. Mm-hmm for the fourth district. Um, so my sole purpose was to go to speak to Jim and my husband called and they called him right back to set up an appointment. And I was in the middle of taking care of people in the med trailer, you know, cause, um, they had their little colds or whatever they were dealing with. I was only doing first aid there. Um, so anyway, I was back and forth from the med trailer to my my RV. And my husband said, Jim wants you there today. I said, absolutely not. I'm not going anywhere looking the way I do right now. There's no way. And plus I have to organize this because I wasn't going alone. If I told them if I was, if I was coming, I was coming with the people's convoy. So it was myself, um, Brian Brazi, the leader of the people's convoy, um, Rachel Raddick, who is a physical therapist, um, assist a physical, I'm sorry, not a physical EMT assistant. Um, out of Texas, which she's from Ohio, but she lives in, she lived in Texas at the time and she had traveled with the people's convoy. So we took her, we took, um, Claire from, Oh, slip my, slip my mind right now. Children's health defense, children's health. Oh yeah. 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 Children's health defense. We took a lawyer out of California, Chris. Um, I can't remember his last name, but we also took Dr. Paul Alexander with us. So I wanted to make sure that I had other healthcare providers with me when I went in to see Jim. 
Um, and we live, we live streamed that as well. It's on, it's still on YouTube. Um, and I can link that to you guys if you would want to see that. It's also, um, in the featured section of my, um, AmeriHearts Freedom and Liberty group on Facebook. Okay. So, um, basically when I went to speak with Jim, he gave us his, his whole rundown about Fauci and gain of function and all that good stuff, you know, and I'm like, that's, that's all great and all, Jim, you know, but here's the thing, um. I want to know when Congress is going to step aside and actually start listening to doctors. As far as I know, they're at that. And Jim was out, outnumbered. I could, I knew he wasn't going to be able to do much for us. He was outnumbered in the house at the time. Um, he may as well say he's outnumbered now because it really just gets blocked because we have, right. we're ahead in the house and not in the Senate. So there's really not much they can do there either. Um, but I, I brought Paul Alexander there to talk, um, to talk more about the virology part of it. But I wanted Jim to know face to face that I am part of his district and that I was fixing to lose everything I'd ever worked for in my entire life, just to stand for medical freedom. Um, I could easily go right today and make, make six figures, but I choose not to. Cause I know as soon, even though everybody thinks the mandates have disappeared they have not. Um, I get message after message, day after day, and it's it's really taken a toll on my on my emotional state. I think um, because I'm doing the best I can, helping people. You know, trying to um, trying to guide them in the right in the right direction. Um, I'm back. Up. I'll go back to Jim. So Jim says I completely agree with you. You know. Um, and we're going to try to do as much as we can, but we really can't. So after that happened, it, <clears throat> my husband and I were probably about the 30-day market in Hagerstown. And everybody was kind of dwindling out at that point. So we decided, okay, it's time for us to go back. Everybody needs to go back and work in their, to fight in their own states. So we came back to Ohio. And I found out about Medical Right to Refuse. Um, it's headed up by Diana France Smith. Um, here in Ohio, we had House Bill 248 before we had a supermajority. And they could have easily passed that. And what, it, what House Bill 248 was, was to put it, on the, um, put it on the ballot for us to vote on it ourselves. Well, they didn't pass it. They, so there wasn't enough votes to even bother with it. So they weren't, they weren't going to push it forward. So Diana took it upon herself as a citizen of Ohio to create medical right to refuse petition, um, had it, had it, uh, looked over by an attorney, had the, um, secretary of state sign it, okay it and started getting signatures for it. And that was a year and a half ago is when she got the final. Okay. So we started collecting signatures a year and a half ago in July. Um, so, and we've been doing our best with that, you know, but as far as us being censored, it's hard to get that information out. And of course we don't have the, uh, being citizens, it's a citizens initiative. So, um, we don't have the money nor the power to get that pushed forward, um, or to get the word out. Cause most people, even today will go and ask them if they've heard of medical right to refuse and they still haven't, but they're willing to sign. So we know the signatures are out there. We just cannot, um, get the word out enough. Um, we've been on several 
news things. We've done um, live live the live Facebook feeds um, for medical right to refuse. And so at this point, what we're looking at is we're still working on medical right to refuse, but here in Ohio, we got the supermajority in in the House and in the Senate, in the Ohio House and Senate. So we have the power to override vetoes here um, with our governor. So they could have easily passed medical right. I mean, they could have easily passed anything medical freedom. And they've had several several opportunities to do that. In fact, there's a House Bill 319 that we're working on right now, um, which we think it it is better than medical right to refuse in the fact that medical right to refuse states, states any individual has the right to refuse any medical device or treatment, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, the problem with that is, is that there's question about whether or not um, people with power of attorneys that are not able to make those decisions on their own, um, children under the age of 18, you know, so now we have it on, on House Bill 319, it, it specifically states um, those over 18 years of age. So I think that's a little that's a little better. Maybe maybe they'll be more willing to work with us on that. Um, in the meantime, we have here in Ohio, I don't know if you've heard about the Blue 22. Well, we have, <laughs> what the Blue 22 is, is 22 Republicans voted alongside the Democrats, even though we have a supermajority here, they voted alongside the Democrats to um, elect a liberal rhino um, speaker of the house so our obligation right now before march's primary is to get them out so we pretty much have um we have a primary for at least 12 of those 22 in my district um we have john cross and what john cross um john cross is our current representative for 83rd district here in ohio and when it came to Ohio advocates for medical freedom, he was asked how he feels about medical freedom. And he said, you know what? I don't have a primary, so I'm not concerned with your scorecard. I mean, that smug. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you, don't, you won't hear my language on that, <laughs> but it just his smug demeanor. Um, well, I, was, I don't I don't. I don't have I don't much have confidence one. or optimism in in hardly any politicians. Yes, I blame so, both sides, honestly, Angela. The Republicans are just as guilty with this COVID mess as the Democrats were. Yes, so the ones so we're weeding them out. The ones that are are not standing up for conservative values or medical freedom or liberties in general. Yeah, we're weeding them out. So right now, right. I have the primary that I'm campaigning for is uh, Ty Matthews. He is an army officer, anti-mandates, um, pro, pro medical freedom and liberty. So, and he completely focuses on that. Um, so we, we do the best we can, you know, um, and I'm, I'm trying every day <laughs> to, to hang in there, but, um, it's, it's tiring. It's a big fight. Thank you for doing it. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's exhausting. Janet, what questions do you have for Angela? Well, Angela, I, I'm so sorry to hear some of your struggles, but I'm very thankful and blessed to hear that there are people that are still willing to fight for freedom because if we lose our right to decide what we put in our body and, and it, you know, what's 
I, I, I don't think we have freedom in our country anymore. I just no. think yeah, we I, are just I, I, living I, I, in a communist state. So uh, thank you for your efforts. Um, and, you know, I feel like what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, the traction really has to start at the grassroots, that people really need to be able to stand up and do something as well. So how are you folks doing that? How are you trying to bring people in and help your efforts? Well, we have we collaborate with Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom as far as medical right to refuse. So Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom, the um, president of, of that is Stephanie Stock here in Ohio. And she not she not only lobbies of the Ohio House and Senate, um, we bring we bring her candidates and she'll mm-hmm. she'll give them questioning about whether or not they stand for medical freedom and specific questions. Um, I've not seen the survey, so I don't know exactly what it uh, what it entails. But. So we and actually her name is on the medical right to refuse petition. She was one of the five that is on there. Um, so that's one way that we do that. Like I said, we're completely censored. Um, anytime we try to put out live videos from Medical Right to Refuse, we have three, at least 3,000 people on, on the Medical Right to Refuse public group, but it is so censored that we might end up, even though I put tag everyone, you know, um, it only ends up being like 15 people max that might be on there. So, and then we'll share that out. I've tried to do reels. Um, and the reason we stay so much on Facebook is because that's where most of the traffic is as yeah. far as it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just sad that that's the way it is. So when they started censoring me like that, that's when I decided to um, start my website, um, which is AmeriHearts.com. Go ahead and stream that website, Julie. Tell us about your website. I know it's in the uh, beginning stages right now. Yeah. Um, like I said, because I was censored so much or we're all censored, I wanted a place to be able to voice my own opinions. Um, my business is AmeriHearts LLC, um, and it's in the very, very beginning stages. Um, I've had this website now since I think I opened it on September 11th last year. So, and I chose a blog for my website so that I was able to voice my own opinions without anybody censoring me. Um, and trying to get the word out that way and trying to get people over to my website on the website. If you go, you know, if you go to the drop down, there's a few different pages on there. And on that, on one of the pages, you have to be logged in in order to, and you have to be um, a member, which is free to sign up. There's no, I don't charge anybody anything for membership. I, I don't believe in that. Um, now I do have a, a, a freedom, um, freedom and liberty shop. Uh, What's the AmeriHearts um, country country store? But it features the Liberty Shop. So, but I'm not really selling anything. I don't sell much on there. It's just the website is mostly just for my my personal use for my blog. Um, you can you can see how I feel about things if you want to go in there and read that. But if you sign up, then you can join the uh, AmeriHearts Freedom and Liberty family is what I've called it. Um, and it's a group of people that feel the, that are patriots and patriots that feel um, that freedom and liberty is, 
is the way to be. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. You know? yeah, is it, is it amazing that, you know, social media and other platforms censor people that talk about liberty? I mean, right. it, I mean, that, that is like it's so, a dirty word. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a dirty amazing. Word. And, and every, everybody, regardless of your political spectrum, should be nervous about that. Anytime somebody censors somebody's freedom of speech, right. freedom of freedom to decide their own medical issues, anytime, and whether you agree with what their issue is or what their opinion is, if if they are censored because of their opinion or their decision, then that's a problem, and everybody should be worried. And I, you, and I are on the same page. We fight for everybody. We fight for people that want to get a treatment. We fight for people that don't want to get a treatment. You that's want to right. wear a mask? That's fine. That is that is that is your choice. Don't make me wear a mask. It should just be a choice. That's all there is. Yeah, you know, and at the beginning of um, the the pandemic, um, as far as being a healthcare worker, I knew and my husband just couldn't believe it. I had told him fifteen years ago when he, you know, he's always followed politics, and I've never really been a, a follower of politics, and he was worried about war breaking out here, war breaking out there. I said, you know what you need to be worried about? You need to be worried about a biological warfare. All that one little tiny virus can be let loose. And here we go. And then he's like, oh my God, everything you have been saying for 15 years has just come true. I said, well, I'm not going to take credit for that. Um, It was my worst nightmare come true. Let's put it that way. And as far as healthcare is concerned, I was all for the two week shutdown. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. I was all for the two week shutdown. I, I was too. Teach My people wife. how to wash their hands, yeah. be more, more alert to how, what they're touching, yeah. who they're touching, who they're going around what's happening. You know, I mean, they should have already known that as far as flu is concerned, but they just kind of blow the flu off kind of thing, you know? So I was all for that. And I was like, after two weeks, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so we cannot, I mean, we're a well-oiled machine here, you know, in America. We cannot shut economy down for the rest of our days with a, with a no-end date in sight, you know. Um, I said, we have to get back to work. Things have to happen. I mean, and then that's when I started seeing my patients being in long-term care at the time. They were being having birthday parties through their windows uh, yeah, of their yeah. Being secluded to their rooms. Yeah. In fact, barbaric. barbaric. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're thinking that's a historical thing now. Absolutely not. In fact, I have a family member. um, I won't say who or where, but I have a family member in a long-term care facility right now. Over the, um, just uh, probably back in, I want to say September, October of this past year. um, He was not sick, but. Because he was in a long-term care facility and they had three positives, three positive COVIDs in the facility. They locked, they quarantined everybody to their rooms. And when I called them on it, they said, no, we didn't, uh, we're not locking people in their rooms. I said, telling people that we're not putting your bottom pants on just so you can't come out of your room (laughs) is the same thing as quarantining them to your room. I said, okay, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. This is what's going to happen. You, They're like, you're a nurse, so you should know we have to go by whatever our medical director says. I said, well, you can tell that medical director to give me a friggin' call. <laughs> right, right. 
I said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm the power of attorney over this person. And here's what's going to happen. He is not going to be locked up in his room. I said, if he wants to go out to smoke, my while I don't approve, I'm, you know, right. I don't approve that, smoking. That's his choice. That's his choice. If he wants to go outside and smoke, he's going outside and smoke. I had the um, ombudsman there, the state department, the health health state department, and the um, local health department there. The next day, know where he was? He was outside smoking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Good for you. Um, and everybody, I everybody just um, all of a sudden, COVID had disappeared because I told them I said, "Okay, so what I'm understanding is that they're going to be quarantined until you have three ne- until you have three total negatives across the board." I said, "Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's inevitable that it's going to spread. I mean, it's not airborne; it is a droplet virus. Any unless you're going to sanitize." From top to bottom, inside and out, every little crevice, there is just no, uh, there's no possible way that you're ever going to get that under control. You can try to control the virus, but you're not going to control m- my family. It's just not going to happen. So, well, I said. Well, good for you for fighting. You know, Janet, yeah, and, I, mean, I, I, bought, I bought it for the first two weeks, too. I, I bought the two weeks to flatten the curve. Janet didn't buy it for one day. She said, this is Nazi <laughs> good Germany. Good for you, Janet. Train cars. <laughs> And, and you know she was totally right. I mean, totally I mean, right. Just I, I don't off their rockers. Yeah. Well, as far, you know, running out and buying. I mean, like the stock, the stock on um, sanitizer and toilet paper just was right. out. <laughs> right. I was just like, what is going on? They were just going crazy. I mean, I understood because they were scared. They put it. They put so much fear into them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it it was crazy. And it still is crazy. I mean, here in Ohio, um, like I said, we we supposedly have conservatives and freedom fighters up there, but we do not. And they, in fact, one one re- one legislator I spoke to, he voted for House Bill two forty eight, the original medical freedom bill, and he pointed that out to me. And he had the nerve to tell me, "Well, we don't have, you know." There is no, we don't have an emergency anymore. It's, it's not in effect anymore. So you can just go to work. Mm. I said, no, <laughs> that's not the way it works. I said, have you applied to be a nurse lately? Because that's not the way it works. Yeah. Um, the, yes, the federal government may have, and CMS may have um, decreased their mandate, but they still have recommendations. And due to those recommendations, the, um, the medical facilities have already put policies in place and it took a lot of money and time to put those policies in place. And yeah. it would take a lot of money and time to undo them. So they're just going to leave them in place, which means that unless we take a religious exemption or a medical exemption and that has to be approved, I'm going to tell you what I, I pray to God every day. I, I'm a Christian. I pray to God every day, but I am not going to have somebody, some employer sitting in a, cubicle somewhere telling me how Christian I am. Well, you know, the whole thing, here, here's my thing about the religious exemption. Um, you know what? Maybe my religion is I don't believe in vaccines. That's my religion. And and that yeah. should qualify, period. You should not have to have a description, uh, you know, a declaration of faith or who you exactly. worship. My religion is I don't like vaccines. Period. I told them, I said, That's, it's freedom. Yeah. I said, what about the people that don't, they don't believe in God. Right. Or what about the people that don't have a medical um, 
disability that qualified. Do, do, do they, do they know, have rights? Don't they, they have rights to give too? up their entire careers? Right, right. So, Angela, we're kind of running out of time. Um, I, I appreciate you know all your knowledge and wisdom. Um, as we wind this podcast up, what do you have a passion for? I think it's pretty what obvious. What do I have a passion for? Yeah. <laughs> my pa- my I guess my passion is um I let's not go with passion, let's go with the goal. Our, there you go. Our, yeah, perfect. Yeah, so our goal is is to make sure this never happens again. I asked that one legislator that I talked to that told me just to go go do whatever they told me to do. Um I said how are you going to make sure this never happens again? He said, oh, people will never fall for it again. I said, it doesn't matter what the people fall for. It matters what we have in place to protect us. Right. Because the federal government can come in at any time and act like 1940s Germany, anytime they yep. feel like yep. it. Um, and there's nothing we can do about it. So what are you going to do? And he just doesn't have an answer. Nobody has. Nobody seems to have an answer. So that w- that's our goal. And I'll continue to fight until... Until that goal is met, you know. Awesome. So. Well, Angela, if anybody has any questions and they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, they can get a hold of me at um, info at AmeriHearts.com. Um, that's my email. They can also message me on Facebook, Angela RN or Freedom Nurse. I have two separate Facebook accounts there. Um, they can go through my AmeriHearts page on Facebook to, to message me. Um I'm messaging people back and forth all day long. It seems I like it. Um, all across the country and, and the world sometimes. Um, so yeah, they can, they can message me there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you fighting for, for medical freedom. It's not just about you. It's about everybody. We're fighting for everybody's individual right to make their own choices. And where, where are you located, Sean? We're located in Washington state, probably one of the That's... biggest communist states in the nation when it came uh-huh. to COVID. Our emergency. I feel for you. Our emergency just got over in May. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you know, let's let's just go back a little bit about the pandemic. Let's just call it what it is. It was a government-created pandemic. And the next one's coming. Yeah, and, and and you know, if it wasn't for them talking about the 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 pandemic and making it, they they made it bigger than it was. And of course, then you know, hospitals actually killed people. Um, it would have been just like a regular flu, in my opinion, if we if we would have just yeah you, you know, know i wasn't going let to, it go when I, got, when I got covid i wasn't going about to wait or wait around to catch pneumonia to get pneumonia and then head to the hospital once i couldn't breathe yeah. that just right. wasn't going to happen um i knew uh you know doctors doctors tend to be against antibiotics beforehand taking a um due to super infections you know yeah now as a nurse i know from experience, I knew nothing about COVID, mind you, but I knew that it was similar to um, influenza, uh, the influenza virus. So I knew that there was going, once it got into your system, I knew that your lungs were going to be inflamed, irritated, uh, provide a provide a nice, nice place for um, a secondary bacterial right. infection in addition to a viral infection. So I made sure that I my husband and I were taking the vitamins, you know, the vitamins, and um, we did some quinine. And because I, I have a history of some 
kidney trouble, I have a Bactrim DS on hand. So, <laughs> and I knew it was a broad spectrum sulfa, sulfa medication, you know, so I decided I was going to try that to, to prevent any secondary bacterial infections that might, might occur from inflammation um, in the respiratory lining. So whether that's <laughs> appropriate or not, you know, I really didn't care at the time. I wasn't going to wait around and get pneumonia, <laughs> yeah. wait around for uh, pneumonia uh, to set in. Well, our bodies have been fighting coronaviruses for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. um, a strong immune so, system is is the best thing we can do to fight any yeah. bacteria and virus. Yeah. So that's so really. I, the, I think yeah. um, I think a lot of the issue was incorrect information toward the beginning. You know, they didn't they didn't tell them. You know, they said, "Oh, well, if you get sick, you need to call your doctor right away." What the what the what did the doctor say? The doctor said, "Oh, drink plenty of fluids. Stay at home. Stay away from people." Just sit around and get get more sick. Don't do anything. Yeah. They didn't really give them any instructions. Didn't tell them. They just naturally assumed that they might know know something. You know, and they didn't know anything. And then they would wait too long. And then, it, you know, by the time they got to the hospital, it was just too out of control to get in control. So, I think that was a, a big big issue that they didn't absolutely, know. absolutely. Didn't give educate didn't give the proper education. And I tried to ed educate as many people as I could. Um, that would listen. <laughs> well, and that's the goal. And that's the goal of our podcast. And you've helped us realize that goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So I appreciate you doing that today, Angela. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for fighting the fight. And, you know, you were talking about censorship and, um, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, even smaller, smaller, if all we did, Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if all we did is help one person a day and they and then they help another person, that's what we need to do. Is just spread 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 medical freedom. That's what we need to do. That's right. Awesome. Well, all thank we you for being do. on, Angie. All right, I'm and sorry? health solution. Thank you for <laughs> listeners and viewers. Thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune into our midweek podcast, nine a.m. to ten a.m. this Thursday with Dr. Anna Nova. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.